Good morning. Um, welcome to our service on this, the fourth Sunday of Advent. Uh, it's great to have you here with us, or if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, on the net, then it's super to have you there as well. This is a, a special time of year. We're very busy preparing ourselves and our homes and our families for Christmas, but I hope we're preparing ourselves for that special reminder that God has sent His Son to us. A word that comes to, into our vocabulary at this time of year is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Isaiah in chapter 7 verse 14 says, God will give you a sign, a young woman will have a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. And in Matthew 1, now all this will come true, as the prophets have said, a young mother will conceive, and she will have a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. What a promise that we have to hold on to. Um, what a promise to look forward to, that God is with us. It's a promise that we hear each Christmas time and we can hold on to it. And what an experience for us to receive each year as we celebrate Christmas and Advent together. So, just a few verses before we, we start. But you, Bethlehem of Phrata, though you were small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be a ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times, and, and from John chapter 1. The Word became flesh and has made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Those are our lovely promises that we can hold on to at this uh, Christmas time, and we can hold on to them at any time. I'll invite Johnny forward to bring a, read us God's Word today. This morning's reading is taken from Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. 
May we trust in you. May we trust in your word. And uh, as we delve deeper into it, may we have a, a, a fuller understanding. In your name we pray. Amen. Let me introduce myself. Uh, so hopefully I'm familiar with many of you now. Uh, my name is Gareth. I'm the deacon intern here. I'm here in my final year of training for college. And part of me being in my final year of training means I also uh, still have a job as I'm studying and I'm balancing my time here along with full-time employment. Um, I'm a youth worker in a youth centre in Portadown and normally I work with teenagers. Um, and that's very clear in my remit because I don't really like children that much. I like my own, I'm very fond of my own, but other people's children can sometimes I, I don't see the appeal of working in any form of childcare and having to look after other people's children all day. It just it doesn't fill me full of joy. Um, saying that, you might be surprised that working with teenagers does fill me full of joy, uh, which for many other people is their worst nightmare. Um, but on a Monday, I run our after-schools program for P5, P6 and P7s. And we come in and they have homework support and they have a bit of time uh, doing their homework and then they get to play some games and they go home with their homeworks mostly for the week completed. Uh, Eden Dairy Primary School set all their homeworks on a Monday for the week ahead and so therefore the kids get them all done on a Monday with the help of a former teacher. Um, somehow they ended up in my office in a conversation with me talking about the nativity. The P5s come in and they said, Gareth, what's a virgin? Wasn't the conversation I was going to begin with or have a conversation, but there is parts of the Christmas story that we come to with an expectation of an understanding that everyone there present will know what is happening, that everyone knows what these words mean, and we hear them so often, we become familiarized with them, and don't always get a chance to explore them. Uh, one of the things that we really need to understand as well is, is the cultural understanding of weddings and what it meant for them to be togethered, together and what it meant for her to be a virgin in this process. And so we join our story this morning and we know Mary and Joseph. Uh, Mary who was probably 13 or 14 and Joseph who was probably 18, 19, 20. Uh, had been arranged to be married. Within Jewish culture, it was organized from a young age that you were, you were engaged. And you were engaged from quite a young age until the year before you were to be wed, in which you were no longer engaged, you were betrothed. Slightly more formal language. And when one was betrothed to another, to get out of that process would have been a full divorce proceeding. So you were... Together, you were referred to as husband and wife in some circumstances, yet you weren't actually married at this time. You were still waiting to be wed, and uh, a union had not yet been made. If you need help understanding what that means, please ask the person beside you. Um, but there had been no union in the marriage yet, and this is where we find them in this time of they were together, and then Mary falls pregnant. Mary is pregnant, and uh, Joseph, at this time, needed to go through divorce proceedings should he wish to leave her. Uh, and yet, we hear in the story from Matthew's Gospel uh, this morning that he decided that, as, as the angel came and spoke to him and said to stay with her, 
he decided to stay with her and trusted in the process that it was God and it was something beyond his understanding. And we see the faithfulness and trust of Joseph in a what was probably quite a trying circumstance and beginning to their married life together. Now, those of you who were here maybe three or four weeks ago might remember I came with you with a story from Goldilocks. And we looked through Goldilocks and the three bears and I asked you some cryptic questions and challenged you and tried to catch you out on some of our knowledge of Goldilocks based on what we know and what we've added in with our own version of the story over the time. And sometimes this happens to us when we come to our gospel readings, especially around Christmas. Because as we come, there, there, there are many different versions. Of the, well, there's three different versions of the birth of Christ as told in the Gospels. And it's very easy for us to mix and match sometimes. Let's take a little bit of Matthew's version and add in a little bit of what some of the others said. And there we get the full picture of the story. And that's really important. But we also have to ask ourselves the question, what was it that Matthew was trying to communicate? What was it that Matthew was saying when he wrote his gospel? And why did he leave certain bits out and include bits that others decided were less important? Matthew was a Jewish man writing to a Jewish culture. He was aware that these people he was writing to that were reading this, uh, uh, this passage that he wrote would have been aware of the nuances of marriage, of betrothal, of engagement. They were aware of this process, and so he didn't need to go in and explain it in the same way that our modern Western culture has a slightly different understanding of it. He was writing to a Jewish culture to have them, oh, pardon me, to have them grow to realize that this was the birth of a deity. Now, the Romans were great at two things, building roads and killing people. Like that was their, their expertise lay in these two areas, okay? They were really good connecting. They, they came through, they conquered, they, they uh, took over civilizations, and then they built roads and connected them together. And with this connection together, suddenly cultures began to merge. Cultures came together and communities started to have tensions in terms of their idea of what truth was. And many different deities came to light in this time. Different people had different gods. Different people had different religions and beliefs. And one of the key factors that many of these religions and beliefs had in common was at the beginning of their religion was a virgin birth. And a virgin birth was something necessary to be considered as a holy and true God. And God knows this, and Matthew knows this, as he writes information and records it. That he knows the recording of a virgin birth is important to the culture at the time to realize this was something special. We are pointing towards a deity, to a God, to something that is holy. But where our scripture differs ever so slightly is that there is no mystery around where this virgin birth came from. And many of the other religions are told we don't know where this person was impregnated from, yet we're told that it was the Holy Spirit, that an origin for this birth exists, and that it is God who is the father of this child. 
And we understand the Spirit to be something based upon our understanding of Pentecost, which comes much later in the story for these uh, first century believers, or not even were, or Jewish people at this time. So let's, let's employ another literary device this morning. Let's take ourselves and put ourselves in a bit of personification. Let's place ourselves in the shoes of Joseph, who in this story finds out that his wife is pregnant. And what is it that we learn from his perspective of the situation? And importantly, who did he understand the Holy Spirit to be? Now, the Holy Spirit wasn't discussed in the same understanding. And for them, the Holy Spirit was, or God's Spirit certainly, had a lot more of a personification. The Spirit was a physical connection. If someone came and spoke to you, and spoke God's truth over your life, that might have been described within Jewish culture as the Spirit speaking over you. That there was that understanding, but it always came in a very physical form. For them to have understood the, the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit to be a, 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 an entity without a body was a, a concept not yet there in Jewish culture. So, as Joseph understands this, at what point does he ask the question, was there another person involved in the birth of this child or in the, the creation of this child? Joseph comes with many ponderings, asking what the spirit is or who this is, and yet still in this moment, trusts God's big plan for his life. He hears the truth and understands it. And that is the, the, one of the really important things in this passage is that the Spirit was the person who brought God's truth to men and women, and then secondly, allowed people to recognize that truth. Joseph can see this truth and recognize it. He hears the angels speak to him, and he recognizes and believes completely that this is truth. Truth for him to follow, truth for him to understand, truth for him to know and trust in his heart that this child wasn't conceived out of marriage, out of an unfaithfulness of his fiancé, of his betrothed, yet he fully recognises the truth and follows it. Even if an angel appeared before me and said, we've impregnated your wife and it's actually not your child, there would still be questions in my heart being asked. Yet Joseph comes along with full trust and acknowledgement that he recognizes and believes this truth. He accepts it. It's very easy for us to forget God's voice sometimes. Sometimes we hear God's voice. We hear a clear message. We know what we're meant to do. And six months later, we forget God's voice. It's amazing when God speaks into your life and there's a miracle and, and actually God moves in a way in your, in your personal presence that you grow close to him. It's very easy to then forget that six months or a year or five years later. The enemy's greatest tool and weapon for uh, eradicating faith is perhaps the power to help us forget these things. Yet actually... Joseph remains faithful and trusting in this truth, knowing that God's plan is above this and that we hear his voice and remember his voice. 
So Joseph would have understood the Holy Spirit to be someone who spoke truth and allowed truth to be recognized. The next thing that he knew the Holy Spirit to be was someone who came with power. That's someone who came with creation power, the power to create. He knew that it was within God's power to create human life and was trusting in that process. Yet it was more than just the power to create. It was also the power to recreate, to recreate, to renew, to refresh, to allow transformation and to allow things to become different and changed. Uh, we hear in Ezekiel the passage of, which talks about dry bones. It's a, a bleak and not optimistic view of a valley full of dry bones. Yet God comes and gives life and power and flesh to those dry bones. First of all, he knows the Spirit creates within us, and then also he recreates within us. We know that these Gospels are written by Matthew to a Jewish culture. A Jewish culture who need to know the power of creation. And also need to know the power of recreation. At this time, as Matthew was writing his Gospels, we know that there were many debates over what was the right way to follow out faith after the death of Christ. We know that there was many differences in opinions and people were perhaps stubborn in their views. Yet God comes from the very start knowing that he has the power to create within us and to recreate within us and to allow us to be changed. In this season of Advent, we think a lot about Mary and Joseph. We see our nativities. We expect, we allow our children to come up with the, the naivety to to understand the, all the, the elements of our Christmas story. We add our bits in there. I'm not sure there is a donkey in the gospel tellings, but I wouldn't want to see James dressed up as anything else. And actually, we allow ourselves to, to grow so familiar with these stories that we forget the very power of creation within them, that we forget the very power of recreation in our own hearts as we are transformed by this message every year. We forget that this is a truth which changed the world completely. And even if we know that it is truth and we think that it is truth, do we allow that truth to fully change us, to fully impact us in our words, in our actions, in our kindness, in our peace, in our joy, are we fully transformed by the truth and the power of the Holy Spirit? Just as Joseph was, as he heard this powerful message for the very first time, trusting in God, allowing it to change him, to change his future, to change his family, to willingly go along. It's a truth that I envy, it's a, a faith that I envy sometimes and one that we can all aspire to be like. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your faithful servant. We thank you for Joseph, for Joseph who came following your plan, 
knowing that he may have been mocked or scorned by, by friends and family around him, knowing that his future may have been difficult for the decision and trust he placed in you. May that be a trust that inspires us. May we be transformed by your truth. May we recognize it and know it to be real. And may we allow you to recreate our hearts every day in a way that brings you glory forevermore. Amen. Our blessing today. May we go in peace because of the wisdom of the wonderful counselor guide you, the strength of the mighty God defend you, the love of the everlasting Father enfold you, the peace of the Prince of Peace be upon you, and the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Rest upon each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.